let's go full Pacific Rim. Fucking get in the drift, and Alice is the mech. <laughs> how, do, how do you feel about that, Alice? How do I feel about being piloted by you two? <laughs> well, I, I was thinking more being a 200 meter tall, unstoppable robot death machine. I thought, you yeah, but it, but but like with no with no free will. Oh, it's like, patriarchy, isn't it? Like as as I'm looking at this, we are recording the podcast, and you two have called yourselves the Halo Gorilla and the bag <laughs> for the for the purposes of the recording. So <laughs> my my feelings are mixed on that concept. Gentle listener, and welcome once again to the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotguns, PC gaming podcast, and the only gaming podcast you need, in my opinion. Uh, my name is, of course, Alice Bell, and I'm joined this week by Matthew Castle. Hello. And the Halo Gorilla. <laughs> Who is, of course, this week being played by Nate Crowley. Um, and uh, yeah, welcome. We've got a, a fun theme this week that I'm certainly excited for. But uh, as is now tradition, l- let's check in on this uh, episode 103. I thought last week was episode 103, erroneously, but tis in fact this week. Oh, right. It is the 103rd. Um, so, uh, it's like we do one every week. It is, isn't it? Uh, Matthew, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I am currently playing a lot of flight simulator. So my head is in the clouds, uh, in the virtual clouds. Um, and uh, this morning I crashed into the Royal Crescent in Bath. So that was fun. Excellent. Did mm. you get Nicolas Cage's old house? Uh, he lived in the, sur- the, the... Oh, God. Why don't I know the name of my own town? The Circus. I thought he was on the Crescent. No, he no no. Nicholas Cage lived in the circus. I, it was really annoying. In the short time that he lived there, just about everyone else on my magazine team saw him at some point in Bath because he was. Uh, someone saw him. Uh, I don't know why I remember this specifically, but uh, smoking a fat cigar outside a pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> what definition? Yeah. Uh, a really vicious way of saying someone's a clown, saying they live in the circus. Uh, no, I, I, no, I mean, well, if they are, they're a very rich clown because it's like the most expensive bit of bath to live in, I think. Yeah. Oh. Did, Nate, did you see uh, the the video of Nicolas Cage turning on the Christmas lights in Bath? No. Yeah, that happened. Have you not seen it? He, oh, says, it- he says, I'm feeling electric. 
it's, it's so good. I'll this I'll put this in the show notes. This will be the top link. But yeah, he some someone some local pushed a note through his door, allegedly saying, "Mr. Cage, would you turn on the Christmas lights?" And he was like, "Yeah," and uh, <laughs> and so there's and so he's like. <laughs> He's, with he's his like, eyes yeah. bulging. I'm, I'm feeling electricity running down my arm. And then he hits the button. The Christmas That's it. Is gone. It's, it's glorious. Good old Nicolas Cage. And then the, I think the year after it was back to like the weatherman from Southwest yeah. BBC News. But- <laughs> Do you reckon he's a nice bloke, Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Yes. He's got that feeling, hasn't he? Yeah. I think he's mad, but I think he's, he's- nice. He's probably a bit weird and like he's probably one of those celebrities where if you go to his house you might find just like a poo in the bath or something, you know, like <laughs> but like ultimately harmless, you know? Mm. Yeah. I, I I feel I feel like I could have a good afternoon with him. I don't think I want to stretch it out. Uh well and how are you this fine day, Nate? Yeah, quite powerful, really. Um same old, the mission to continue setting up fish tanks roars on. I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten That's up and lot. running now. Uh, ten? Yeah. Oh it's, don't we? It's not like, um, you know, Kevin Costner's Waterworld or anything. A lot of them are, are just like the size of shoebox. I really like my tiny tanks. But there's a couple of big boys. I've got um, one set up for some Tanganyiki cichlids, Neolamprologus multifasciatus, which are little guys who live in shells. So I've got a load of big snail shells, and they're all, um, yeah, scattered around on a lovely sandy bed, and they 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 have their little babies in the shells, like um, like it's a weird cartoon village. Hmm. That'll be good. Well. I'm I'm imagine I'm imagining a scenario where like like aquariums become like illegal and like keeping fish becomes like prohibition and your your house becomes like a speakeasy but like for fish. Well, I mean, you joke, but uh, you know, well, we've had conversations not for broadcast, haven't we, about some of the the crustacean import rules. And my attitude towards those, like, like people go to your house and then and then there's like the police turn up and there's loads of like bubbling water noise and people chatting and stuff until they knock on the door and then you press a button and and like all the walls spin round and it becomes just like a. <laughs> it's 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 like it's contraband that if you flush it down the toilet, it would actually probably be pretty happy about it. Well, like the cops burst in, and I'm like, no, 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 it's a weed growing operation, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> I do worry sometimes that one of those um, helicopters will come over and see all the millions of like lights and heaters and stuff in my office, and I'll get swatted. Um, but uh, no, I, I wish I was growing drugs, but it's just uh, just the little guys. Uh, don't worry, guys. It's just a dweeb. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. <laughs> it's just a nerd. Stand down. Stand down. It's a nerd. 
But just one last thing. Where did you get that crab? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, growing drugs and illegally uh, harboring illicit fish would be a bad thing to do. That's the action of a baddie, sure. isn't it? Uh, and this, again, is a fabulous segue because this week our topic is truly we're back in fat blood territory, gentlemen. Hashtag fat uh, blood. Fat blood. Uh, because we're talking about villains this week, villains. Uh, and some of our favourites from the world of PC gaming. Excellent. So one of the things that you brought up when we were discussing this topic, Nate, uh, is the etymology of the word villain. And I know I'm putting off talking about actual games for even longer, but do you have anything to share about the etymology of the word villain? Yeah. Um, I had a feeling it was something like medieval and slightly inappropriate. So not inappropriate in the sex way, just like not not really fitted to the modern use. So I had a Google of it while I was standing in my garden. And um, so it comes from Villain um, in the old old French, um, as in old French, the language. Not, <laughs> not, just, just, not just the good old French. Informally referring to the French language. Um, and a, a Villain was, I, I don't know why I'm saying it like Borat, a Villain was... Um, like an oaf, basically, like a just a, a, a countryside fool. Uh, it was like you know the, the the fancy Normans would sneer at the sort of gurning yokels who would come capering out of their hovels to <laughs> beg for oats as they rode through and be like villains because um, <laughs> they spoke like Borat. Um, and so, so it's, Matt Berry energy to that. Uh, as well. I, yeah. I got some Matt Berry there. Imagine Matt Berry playing Borat. Um, <laughs> I'd just be very, very racist, as was Borat. Now I think about it. Best move on. Um, yeah. So I mean, to call someone a villain is to call them just like a, you know, a rustic simpleton. Um, mm. Which is really funny when you think of people like you know. Ozymandias off Watchmen and the, you know <laughs> these sort of like hyper refined masterminds. When, I wonder when did when did it do it? Does anyone know when it took on that meaning, or has it just evolved over time? Because I associate it with high vi- like high villainy. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm going to pretend I know. Um, my my best guess is that it's like, um, you know, let's go back to our Borat Normans and one comes back to the castle all roughed up with his moustaches out of place. He's like, oh, I was assailed by some rough folk. Uh, They came out of a hedge and took all of my oats. And maybe I should have given them to them when they were begging. I've learned something today. And the other Normans go, oh, no, no, bloody villains. Um, And so, yeah, villains become like people who, who cause you problems in the countryside. Mm. I see. So it's just the origin of the word villain is just rich people uh, sneering d- at the sneering poor. at poor people and deciding that poverty is uh, a moral determiner. Literally, that yeah, it's just classism. Excellent, which is and in I, itself I, a villainous act. That's right. Indeed. My goodness. Uh, 
but etymology is is one of my favorite things it's excellent fun and it one of my my i'll make it my recommendation it's a really good book called the etymologicon but it's like the meaning of words does change uh according to usage so like uh i believe it was the word soon which mean if you say I'm, these days if you say i'm gonna do that soon that means i'm gonna do it in a minute but in the olden days it used to mean now um, and it's just because whenever people said, yeah, I'll do that soon, they then wouldn't do it immediately. And then we just sit on their ass for a few minutes. Like, you know, that's really your dad. Yeah. Oh, it was funny, but baffling that Americans say they use quite as a, a lot. And, and we use it as slightly. So we're like, that's quite good. And they're like, it was quite excellent. As if to say, it was really excellent. Yeah, that always yeah always like, throws me. No, right, but fancy some... people do that as well. Like, oh, that was quite superb. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, I always thought it was more of an American thing, but now now I've heard that amazing soundbite, it's completely changed my read on it. <laughs> I well, I mean, I'm always confused that like uh, that Americans don't have the word Fortnite, so for them, the biggest game in the world is not a pun that's just what the game is called what do you it mean? probably sounds like a goth tower defense game doesn't it Fortnite. yeah what they don't say Fortnite. no that's not a thing what they, do they say, say two, instead two weeks what <laughs> they call it a fat week or a mega day so so to to us the game Fortnite is an hilarious pun and is it American, no, there's nothing like, about two weeks in the game that is true well yeah but you know what i mean uh and then to americans they're like that's just what the what game's called yeah uh we've got off topic again shocking we never got on it mate <laughs> no i know yeah um so uh i mean i think we've got a hint about maybe what one of nate's favorite villains is going to be so um let's instead go to to matthew do you want to start us off with a, an opening villain salvo uh so one of my favorite villains is from the witcher uh it is gaunter odim who is a devil-like figure who offers you basically a, a like a devil's bargain or pact um yeah. he's from the expansion hearts of stone but he does appear weirdly right at the start of the main campaign. Like you meet him, like in in the tutorial area, you go into a bar and there's a strange chap called Gauntro Din who you talk to, and nothing ever comes of it. And then it turns out that he was going to be the the kind of main character in the, in the DLC. Um, and he's a he's like a yeah a devil figure who appears to you in your time of need and offers to help you, and then forces you to do a terrible pay a terrible price. So he saves. Geralt from a um, sinking, or oh, from a ship by sinking it, and then Geralt escapes, and then he uh, basically forces Geralt to complete another one of his. It's something to do with like another pact he's made with someone else, but it's the the, the DLC is about these three impossible tasks that he has to do. Um, okay. But, oh, is this the one where you are possessed by a horny ghost at a party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, t- I talk about it quite a lot. I think a lot about that horny ghost party. Um, we all? <laughs> yeah. um, they're all kind of que- they're all quest objectives. If you write them down, they seem impossible. Like 
show like a dead man the time of his life and um i think one of them is bring me the house of it's got a weird it's like the name of some weird sort of dwarven merchant it's like maximilian doodle or something (laughs) it's not that but bring me the house of maximilian doodle Um, if you look it up you'll see where i was coming from with that yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, what what I like about him is that he's a uh, not like someone who's out to like hurt you. He's just like a meddlesome kind of sort of engine of chaos, uh, which I really like. You know, he kind of pulls you into like bigger trouble. Um, and I also like the slightly folklorish sort of ambiguity of you know. Who is this Gaunter of Dim guy? He goes also goes by Master Mirror, um, is one of his nicknames. That's uh, a much better villain name. Yeah, I think Gaunter. I don't know if Gaunter of Dim is like his, like that's the name he'd have on like his driving license. You know, like that's his everyday <laughs> name. Please, it's, it's a, I'm Gaunter. My father is Mister Odim. Odim. Yeah, <laughs> but he because his real name is Master Mirror. Um, okay. There's a bloke in the story who researches Gauntro Dim, and the idea is that Gauntro Dim is so evil that just researching him makes the guy go blind. Um, <laughs> oh, yikes! Yeah. Uh, what I was about to say, he doesn't sound that bad. Like a meddlesome agent of chaos is basically how I think of Nate in my day to day working life. Yeah. But like, but now, but now you've just thrown in he's so evil that you'll go blind just thinking about him, which makes him <laughs> yeah. second only to masturbation. And... <laughs> yes, that's uh, not me. Like, no, that isn't me. So, so is like in the way you encounter him, is he just sort of a genial kind of trickster type? But then yeah, actually, he, I, he's secretly sh- proper bad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's like. Uh, he just dresses like a sort of kind of regular peasant a villain if you will um but he turns out to be a villain so it's it's it works on both levels uh yeah he's just like a normal bloke and i won't spoil the end of the dlc but it it does kind of address his more supernatural side more directly um but yeah i liked i liked him that he's not just a villain that you're trying to take you know the aim isn't to take him down it's just to get out of your deal with him which i think is like i don't know i was was, it made me think i was trying to think of like other if there are other games which use sort of the devil or just a general concept of evil as like the villain and i couldn't really think of anything that done it quite as well or at all in fact Mm -hmm. um it's normally a trope i really hate i hate it in films you know like when someone is just up against the devil and then they lose, and you're like, well, that's the devil. You can't beat him. Uh, I think that's really unsatisfying. Uh, kind of Jacob's Ladder, all that. Not Jacob's Ladder, uh, Angel Heart and stuff like that. I don't know. Uh, oh. End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, it's just like, it's just such a get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, that's the devil. It happened because the devil was involved, and he's evil. Like, the omen. Like, Damien is just an evil person. Like, oh, he's evil. That's just not satisfying, is it? Yeah, I don't like elemental forces of good or evil. They're, well, you know, they're sort of hard-coded, aren't they? Yeah. It's like beyond whatever... It doesn't matter what you do. You know, it's beyond you. It says nothing about the people involved if it's the devil that they lose to. Because, like, come on. It's the devil. Well, the thing about, like, 
people who do horrible things is they almost like in so many cases think they're doing a good thing or at least they're doing a bad thing for good reasons. Mm. Um, you know, and so the idea of sort of characters who are just out to, you know, then there's people who just like really enjoy like maiming people or whatever. And that's a different kettle of fish, but people who just want to like do evil and like destroy the world and stuff is, you know, I don't buy it. I can't, I can't see what the psychology is there. Well, this is, okay, this is perhaps an interesting jumping off point for discussion because there are, I think in video games, there are times when it is, uh, it serves a purpose very well where it's it's just a bad dude, a bad hombre, as as terrible politicians might say, um, who, who is like unambiguously just evil and then you get to kill them with a big sword or whatever you know like i think there are some games where that that is all you need um uh, and so like and then on the other hand you have the um the the kind of ambiguity and the the uh, you called it the thanos effect of mike Nate, yeah. where like you sympathize with them um, and I think there are both there are ways that both sorts of villains can be memorable in games. Mm. Yeah, it depends I mean, what the game's about, really. If it's something you're playing purely for the the thrill of it. So I mean, I don't know. Look at like um, uh, Robotnik off of Sonic or something. Who's yeah, completely one dimensional um, and just exists to be a problem that must be solved that's fine as you say that's all it needs to be because you're not playing sonic to have a big think actually i shouldn't say that because a lot of people play it to have a big think if you know what i mean Um, (laughs) but like if it's a game you're playing to sort of you know feed feed your brain like an rpg or something you know a a villain like that isn't going to satisfy because it's it's um it's immersion breaking I think Dr. Robotnik's whole plan of just putting smaller animals, nice small animals inside big robot, nasty animals is so dumb. Like (laughs) the idea of like, he basically is trying to build an army of robotic wasps that have rabbits inside them. It doesn't make any sense. What's it? What's it like? What's his, what's his end game? Like all the animals. Who is he building this army to overcome? Because as far as I can tell, the only civilization on what was it, Planet Mobius, other than him, was Sonic, yeah. who was trying to stop him. So the army didn't really work very well. Like it's uh, <laughs> this giant military build-up to do what? Why is he building a massive like Death Star ripoff and like huge robots of himself? I mean, What's it is sort of that, or maybe it's because if you think about it, in the early games at least, he is the only human, isn't he, Robotnik? Like, there's Sonic, and then there's all the animals he puts inside the other robot animals. Like, maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe he's just lonely. He's <laughs> just bored. He's very, very well, bored. Well, look, maybe this is the, the point that, you know, we thought that Robotnik was the, an example of a two-dimensional villain, but after about a minute's worth of discussion, we've discovered many layers. You, you know, that's like- why he builds giant robot versions of himself, just so that there's more, like, 
that's the only human he knows. So he's just kind of trying to create more of himself to be friends with. Oh, now I'm just imagining Robotnik at three in the morning, like halfway down a bottle of vodka and sobbing, asking a towering metal version of himself if he's pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Just tell me I'm beautiful. Before Sonic comes along and jumps on his head three times and destroys it. With Um, possibly the most tasty crunching sensation in the history of games, I've got to say. Oh, when they flash when you hit them. Yeah. All right, all right. Did you see the Sonic movie, by the way? No. It's good? No, no. It is. No way. I know you don't believe me, but it is. Really? Yeah. I want to believe you. Don't watch it. It's good. Isn't Jim Carrey all scary and intense these days? Yeah. I think he's going through his, like, dark Robin Williams phase. You know, when Robin Williams started doing films where he was, like, child murderers and everything. (laughs) You were like, what's going on with this? Well, I mean, playing Dr. Robotnik doesn't necessarily fit into that, does it? But... No, well, it's one of the classic dark roles. It's the new Joker, mate. No, but that's the thing. He, everything else he's been doing has been along those lines, so I'm not ready for him to return to her. No, he's fine. He's just dealing with himself and doing weird paintings. He's at that sort of stage. Isn't he right? an anti-vaxxer or something? Uh, Jenny McCarthy, what is... I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> A villain. Talking of the evil people. Um, uh, so... My villain, one of the ones I was going to bring up, which will be very predictable to anyone who knows anything of my interests. Um, so I was going to talk about Dragon Age. Um, so uh, in Dragon Age Inquisition, they do a good kind of bait and switch. Because um, actually, I think there's a really uh, interesting discussion to be said about how evil is portrayed across all the Dragon Age games. Um, but um, in Dragon Age Inquisition, which is the third one, and most recent, um, the villain is set up as a sort of cartoony, sort of like I want to be a god kind of demonic wizardy type undead mm. man, right? It's, it's quite a standard RPG villain, and you fight him the whole way through, and he has an army of you know monsters and the corrupt people and what have you, um, and you you know bring together a ragtag army of people and and you. Uh, you know, you have your companions and all that, but one of your companions is this uh, uh, a bald kind of superior elf uh, wizard who doesn't wear shoes. And uh, I've always, I've always said that, like, if he existed in like modern times, he'd be like, yeah, I don't even own a television. Um, right. <laughs> um, and he, he is really interested in like old magic and demons and what have you. Um, and he's voiced by, uh, Yanto off of, um, uh, Torchwood, the Doctor Who spinoff. Uh, and, uh, you find out right at the end of the game, like right at the end of the game, after you've done this whole thing, like after the old boss fight and everything that, um, he's actually like, uh, an elven God, uh, like incredibly powerful trickster uh, god, like their kind of version of Loki, almost like this this sort of morally neutral guy, who um, 
is the whole reason that anything in the world has ever gone wrong, basically. Because, what? Uh, yeah, because he, like, in Dragon Age, uh, the magic world called the Fade is separated um, uh, from the, the real world, as it were, but it didn't used to be. And the reason it is is because he just decided to separate them. Uh, but then doing that made him sleepy, and he slept for, like, hundreds of years and then woke up and was like, oh, no, like, the it's elves. Like, it's like when you eat a big lunch. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So he ate a big lunch of doing bad magic um, for what he thought was a good reason and then slept for hundreds of years. And then when he woke up, uh, he realized he'd stopped the elves from being magic and they were all like uh, subjugated and oppressed. And he was like, oh, no. So, So now his whole thing is like he just wants things to go back to the way they were. Mm. And and the reason there was a big bad in in the in the last Dragon Age game uh, is that he was like, well, I'll get this guy to do it for me, so that no one knows I'm involved. But then that other guy just kind of went a bit mad. Can you? So can you romance him? Yeah, that's the best bit. Oh. So another sort of immensely powerful figure just walking around amongst the common folk of a, of an RPG. How do you reckon he'd get on with old? Gauntlet Hembo, or whatever his name was. <laughs> Gauntlet That's it. <laughs> um, well, I don't know, because cause I, he, so his name's Solus. He's an incredibly frustrating uh, character because he's very sad and lonely um, and very sort of stuck in the past. Um, and he's he's very well written i think as a baddie because you do sort of sympathize with him but you're also like like move on mate like is there um, any, like i so i've played i think i've probably played about half of dragon age inquisition i never i never finished it because it's like the world's longest game um yeah. and i just remember him being quite soft i don't like there was never any like there's no like heavy-handed references to sort of bubbling anger or anything is there is nothing no no he's 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 not angry as much as he's he's basically like, look, I'm gonna tear the fade down so that all all the worlds are back together again. We will lose most people in the process, basically. Like he's sort of like he's gonna do a, a global sort of genocide, but like as a means to an end. Sort of. Oh, so he's got a bit of Ozymandias in Watchmen vibes. Mm. Very much so. Um but it's all born out of this kind of sadness and loneliness and and guilt. Um, oh. So he's an interesting character. And yeah, was it was that was that like a did that feel like a big setup for for Dragon Age Four? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Oh okay. Um, uh, well, I didn't realize it was but, that sort of cliffhangery. Yeah, well, the DLC wraps it all up really well, actually. Um, oh okay. The DLC for Dragon Age Inquisition is very good, um, and. Uh, isn't that called like the big tunnel or something? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dragon the big, Age, the big tunnel, and you go through big a big tunnel. In a magnificent steampunk train. Um mm. But he's he's really good and he he he's a good ambiguous bad guy, and he's also like loads of people like properly love him. Like well, even knowing what they know about him. Yeah. Because he's this tragic figure and he's actually um if you romance him, it's very romantic and you never really like do anything. You just sort of look sadly and yearningly at each other quite a lot. Um, 
And but they do there's a really cool thing where um uh and I mention this quite a lot because I think it's really cool, but um games writers if they're writing like a bunch of different characters that have different you know personalities and voices will have playlists specifically for those characters and uh one of the songs um that the writer um used for writing solus was um uh hallelujah by jeff buckley and uh so there are times in the game where he speaks uh and it matches the meter of hallelujah and then you get a higher approval bump if you reply to him in something that also matches that meter for what it's worth actually i i do that with my books that's exactly like i get songs really attached to characters and i sometimes sort of yeah i think about the lyrics so much i sort of work them in so that is amazing really dig that there you go. Do you want it? Are you going to recommend your book again at the end of the uh, the podcast? Yep, this is the long pitch. <laughs> this is where you say that the songs that inspire you are like really awful novelty records. Yeah, you'd be surprised, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my tragic uh, god king figure was really influenced by uh, "Is This the Way to Amarillo?" Uh, because he too was looking for <laughs> <laughs> Amarillo. <laughs> Uh, um so, so yeah so i i and the way the fans have reacted to to solace is really interesting but i don't know what they're going to do because because obviously there's terrible stories coming out of bioware and that it's all gone to gone to oh. pot so, so that's, the, the th- that's the thing they have that they haven't like shut up yet isn't it yeah <sighs> god i i love them i just want the developers to be happy Oh, that's all I want. Uh, Nate, are you going to talk about Space Gorillas? I will briefly discuss the Emotions Gorilla. Um, if you could put in the show notes my actually quite sizable now body of work on the Halo Emotions Gorilla, uh, that would be good. Um, but to, the long and the short of it is, uh, I watched the um, preview stuff for Infinite, Halo Infinite, and everyone seemed really, really, really keen to talk about the graphics, but all I really cared about um, was the gorilla who just shows up at the end of the trailer and sort of does this incredibly intense wrestling promo to the camera for a couple of minutes. (laughs) And I I really liked him because, you know, you don't... What I said in my piece, you don't have to... um, you don't have an awful lot of flexibility as a writer working for a massive franchise like Halo. There's an expectation of what your Villo villain is going to be. They're going to be a big, angry, muscly alien who uh, has a personal vendetta against Shag. And um, it's, you know, you can't deviate too much from that. If you went sort of you know, RT with it, I think a lot of people would, would get angry. Well, you know, indeed, the reaction to the Halo preview stuff has, has shown you, you know, change or the lack of it in Halo causes fights either way. Um, but I thought they were quite creative within the limited room they had with Isharam, who is the said emotions gorilla, because uh, he's, yeah, he's a big, muscly, angry alien who wants to kill the chief, but 
he's also really sad. Uh, but it's that's not sort of, you know, they don't spread that on with a trowel. It's just kind of there in the background. He just refers to how uh, the game starts after humanity's been wellied by his space gorillas. And he talks about how easy it was. Well, no, he doesn't talk about how easy it was. He says, I wish I could say it was difficult. It wasn't. And he sort of laughs ruefully. I think he was hoping it would be a bit more of a fight. And yeah, he said he was just basically really depressed when it was done. But now Master Chief has shown up out of nowhere, everyone assuming he was dead. And this gorilla's really pumped. He's like, oh, you know, I was really... The, the implications, he was really scared. Basically, his career would amount to nothing. <laughs> um, but now, like, the most, like, brutal motocross champion in the galaxy is coming after him. And he knows he might die in the process, but it's going to be a wicked fight. And he's going to, you know, he's going to have a rep one way or the other. And he's just really relieved. So he's, like, threatening to kill you and roaring at you. But he's really happy about it, and there's sort of the expectation from him that you've got the same psychology playing a bag, and and you'll feel the same. So it's like it's a motivational speech, it's a pump up um, mm. monologue, and I think that's that's interesting. You know that that, that was a good good mm. thing to take with it. Um, the villain I wanted to bring up that isn't a space gorilla. Um, <laughs> I, this always appears on best villain lists, and for good reason. It's uh, Vast from Far Cry 3. Um, oh, okay. So he's not the big bad of the game. He's the medium bad. Um, but he didn't just steal the, the show in that game. He pretty much stole the whole show in the whole Far Cry series. He's a really good character. He's got... Um, uh, have you watched Better Call Saul? Yeah. yeah. He's not wildly unlike um Oh, come on. The name of the uh ludicrously charming handsome psychopath who takes over the uh Salamanca family uh in the, um, of the series. Th- that guy, yeah. I can't remember. The lovely moustache, him. Um you know, he had that thing of being really likable. You'd really want a beer with him, but you would be, like, terrified. Like, not even of making a mistake that just, like... Isn't, isn't it him? What's that? Isn't it that bloke? Whoa, that would be amazing if it is. Okay. Well, no, there's a guy in Better Call Saul, is Vass in Far Cry. Well, you the... reckon it's... That Nacho Varga chap. Oh, but he's really nice in Better Call Saul. He looks a lot like Vars. He's got the same... Yeah, that, I'm pretty, pretty sure the mind. actor plays Vars is, is that guy. Hang on, let me... Let's do a bit of Googling and then cut it out after. Sorry. <laughs> Michael Mando, his name is. And he actually, if I am correct, like once... Uh, Vass became successful. He really kind of lent into that. Um, hang on, let's have a, let's have a look here. Is is yeah? He was Vass. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. That is so weird. Because I was thinking like Vass had massive sort of 
Breaking Bad continuum energy. <laughs> um, and that will be why. Ironically, like Nacho Vargas, yeah, like I say, is is probably the most likable gangster I've seen on telly in a long time. But yeah, the 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 villains in that show have that sort of magnetic but utterly repulsive at the same time thing going for them where you just think, you know, if you had the wrong colour shoelaces, they'd feed you to a pig. Um <laughs> you know, and that's that was vast. He was you would just be delighted every time he was on screen and also quietly crapping yourself. The there is a it's not really an issue because I I've I'm not a massive uh Far Cry aficionado, but Graham said, uh, unrelated to this podcast, but Graham said the other day, because we got the new trailer and that for the new Far Cry, mm. that um the series as a whole kind of pivoted from being uh go to this uh lovely kind of uh, environment like a jungle or whatever or an island or some interesting you know place and you know explore it and make wallets out of pigs to um there is a bad guy and and it's and the, the series changed from being about the the location to the baddie and mm. i think it was probably vast that changed that so that now it seems like they start from the bad guy and then work backwards yeah. from that, like you know the Joseph Seed. Uh, Far Cry Four geezer as well with the pink suit. Who hey, was like, in. He was pretty good. Yeah, they they the thing is that they they create these villains that are like so charismatic that it only further accentuates how uncharismatic the main character is. You know. <laughs> You basically put, you basically meet someone really interesting in the first five minutes of all those games, and then spend the rest of the time wanting them to come back. But the only time they do is when you kind of off them at the end, often, you know, or maybe the the occasional mission along the way. Um, yeah, it's weird. I love the little things that they started doing. I don't know if they did it in Far Cry Three, but they do those hidden Easter egg endings at the start where. You can sort of team. Uh, they definitely did it in in four, where Pagan Min's like, oh, yeah. having breakfast with you, and then he's like, "Oh, I've just got to go and get something. I'll be back in like ten minutes." And then that's when you escape and you start the game. But if you hang around for ten minutes, he comes back, and then uh, you do, you just go off for a little adventure with him, and that's the end of the game. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I might load it up again and play that. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. But they made this whole sequence and everything where he, where he goes off and you just sort of hang out with him. So, <laughs> um, do you think that you can start with your villain and design your game backwards from that and make a a good villain and a good game, or do you think you you should start with your your concept and then and then the villain arises out of the the setting and the world there aren't I, I do think when when i was thinking of villains for this i was struggling to think of times where i felt like the villain was kind of integral to the world or had some kind of interesting relationship with like what the game was about like mechanically or you know like they often feels like a insert villain here even the good ones kind of 
exist purely on like a story level and then maybe a boss fight. You know, it, it, I, I was struggling to think of people who I Diablo who are like named after the villain. Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> but like someone who's like brilliantly implemented like all the way through like I, like one I th- in Baldur's Gate 2 maybe yeah I mean that because that's kind of like the whole campaign is kind of his story isn't it it's the sort of finding out about what his whole deal is um and he's there from the start yeah that's not a bad shout I was thinking of like I don't know whether we count uh, Mr. X from Resident Evil 2 as a villain. Um, um, as like an integral, like he's actually a, a you know a thing in the game that is kind of interesting. I'll allow it. You'll allow it. I guess I'll allow it. a countryside idiot though. <laughs> maybe maybe he's Mr. X is three bumpkins standing on top of each other in under that coat. <laughs> And that's what keeps coming back because you're you're shooting him in the head, but you're only ever killing the top bumpkin. <laughs> and they phone up one of their mates to come yeah. and join them back. They're yeah. like, "Do you want to come and be the head of the Mister X?" And they're like, "What happened to the last one?" And they're like, "Oh, he uh, found some oats and retired." And like, <laughs> mm, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I love the way the oats meme is developing here. Very happy. <laughs> well, that's that's the prime motivating factor in the life of all peasants. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag fat blood, hashtag big oats. <laughs> you, use those when you, you tweet about how excellent this podcast is. Please. Uh, I guess the alien from Alien Isolation. That's a pretty good villain. Uh, oh, GLaDOS. You can't get more oh. based around the villain than that. Yeah. GLaDOS yeah. is very good, actually. But then GLaDOS has, she's got pathos too. She's an interesting combination because she's a... She's a kind of unfeeling robot, but then in Portal 2, she gets feelings, you know. Where's the line there? Yeah, that's a... Because you can... Can you sympathise with GLaDOS in Portal 1? I'm trying to remember which is which in my head now. Uh, I In Portal 1, she's, she's, she is very charismatic, isn't she? But I don't, I don't think they really have the kind of... The backstory with J.K. Simmons yelling. Um, J.K. Simmons is going to J.K. Simmons. Yeah, oh yeah. Who's the best lady villain you can think of? Ooh, Eve. <laughs> well, is that the bad guy from Eve Online? No, just the con- no, as in Adam and Eve. Oh wow, that's what <laughs> what a gut punch. <laughs> Uh, good lady villains. It's difficult because I think a lot of the time in in games they end up as sort of like quite obvious, kind of like a succubus or like Lilith or whatever. Um, or they'll be like the a lieutenant, you know, who like enjoys hurting men or whatever. Yeah, um, well, there's that one in Wolfenstein, the one who gets her face all mangled. She's oh, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was quite scary. They're they're actually those. uh, I think the wolf, the new Wolfenstein games, do good villains in terms of like quite traditional, like cutscene only, maybe the odd bus fight. But I, I, they're 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 quite well realized and quite well performed. And they're they're much more sort of three dimensional than because they could have just been like Nazi. 
Yeah, like there's the Nazi, I mean, but he also likes milkshakes. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's it, who knew that that milkshakes would be the the crossover on the Venn diagram between me and Nazis. <laughs> um. I was going to, I mean, I was going to bring up Dishonored briefly anyway, um, but I think Delilah from Dishonored 2 is a good villain. Um, I think all the villain and baddie design in Dishonored is very good and interesting, especially because you then, you get to choose whether you do a good or a bad um, Yeah, that's uh, killing on them. But also, but like most, a lot of the time, the, the, the bad thing to do is kill them, but actually the letting them survive is arguably worse um yeah yeah that is they are good and they're they're like well established and like foreshadowed like you are right like every time you meet a villain in that game you know kind of 100 percent how you sort of feel about them yeah because i was i was thinking about hitman because i was like well hitman's a game about killing just hor- they're all horrible people like that's how kind of hitman justifies itself like they're all bad in a way but like often i'm not 100 you know I kind of gloss over a bit in the glaze over a bit in the um, uh, briefings, so I'm not always sure like what they did. You know, like I might have to consult a wiki to see why. You know, oh, they're the head of an evil drug dealer, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think the levels naturally establish them particularly well in the way that like the Dishonored games do. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Dishonored villains are good. And yeah, Delilah Delilah in Dishonored Two is uh, her name's Delilah Copperspoon, which is amazing. it's a very Dickensian name, and uh, she's like a witch who deposes you, but like you find out at the end, it's just like she's sad and and wants people to like her and has really poor self esteem because her <laughs> father left. So like, I mean, that in itself is a bit tropey, but um, I I thought she was really good. Yeah, um, I love that. I, just as a side note, I really love that level where you've got the the chap and his decoy, and you've got to work out which one is the guy you're trying to yeah. kill yeah oh. duke luca abel oh. he was played by uh vincent d'onofrio oh, the yeah. cockroach man from uh for from men in black yeah is he yeah no way in in the venn in the venn diagram of me and the cockroach man the yeah. crossover is both like eating sugar I mean, milkshakes are kind of sugar, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, in the Venn diagram of me, cockroach man, and Nazis, milkshakes. You're desperately reaching for one of those uh, viral oh tweets, God. aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hang on, isn't there a bit where a Nazi drinks a milkshake in Wolfenstein, or am I a goldfish? Yeah. That's what you were referring yeah, to. That's yeah, what we were referring to, Nate, yeah, yeah. I'm oh, glad I, think, you... I must have zoned out. I wasn't, just be- I wasn't being whimsical. <laughs> You pay attention to this podcast as you are recording it. I was thinking about villains. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I've not deployed many stings this episode, but that's because we're probably about to have a stingarama. Because uh, nice, <laughs> nice, yes. Uh, because we've prepared another small truth or lies game. Yes. Oh my um, god, that was a power segue. <laughs> thanks. Um, we need. We should have a name for this segment because we do it quite a lot. We should probably let, codify it and make it an official thing. I want to call it the Cavern of Lies. That's good. I'm happy with that. Do you want, do you want to sign off on that? Yeah, I approve. Right. 
we can say, you know, we can make it a tortured metaphor and say we're going down into the cavern of lies and I okay. don't know, play a door creaking sound and shit like that. Yeah. Well, okay. We'll, we'll add a sting to the soundboard at some point. Nate, can you do a, right, Nate, if you say the cavern of lies in kind of a, a boomy, echoey way, and then if Matthew, you can make like a door creaky noise. Yeah. All right. I'll do it now. The cavern of lies. Amazing. <laughs> so welcome to the Cavern of Lies, gentlemen. This week it is my Cavern of Lies. Um, and so what we're going to do, hang on, let me just open my carefully prepared document here. Um, so uh, this is a bit cheesy because I don't know if they count as villains as much as boss fights, but actually I think they're very well, in many cases, very well realized in game as well. Um, so Devil May Cry as a series has some fabulous uh, villain and enemy design. Mm -hmm. Um, So this week, I have a selection of enemies. How many have I got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven I've got. Okay. Which is clearly a deliberate segue from last week where we talked about sevens. Um, And some of them are real and some of them are not. So I'm going to describe these villains from the Devil May Cry series, and they're taken. Uh, not there's not one from every game, but um, they're from the breadth of the series. So from they could be from the first one, or the fifth one, or indeed DMC Devil May Cry, the best DMC oh, game. Oh, okay. Um, and you have to. You can ask me a bit about them. And then you have to decide whether uh, you think they're they're true, which will be a nice, or, <laughs> or if they're a lie. Ooh la la! <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So we'll start with we'll start maybe an easy. We'll go uh, with nightmare. So nightmare is a kind of big. A massive kind of glob of of green slime with bits of bone and and metal in it. Um, Like a carnivorous cube off of D&D sort of business. It's not, it's a, it's, when you first encounter it, it's sort of like a big shapeless kind of pool. Um, And then you antagonize it and it kind of forms into a big slow moving blob thing. You're basically Um, describing my morning routine here, so... (laughs) Catherine has to antagonise me out of bed. <laughs> Get out of uh, your pool! <laughs> <laughs> Is she Australian? <laughs> yeah, in the morning. Our morning routines are wild. <laughs> uh, but yeah, once you start the boss fight with it, it sort of looks a bit like... It looks a bit like if um, a big load of guns from Get Your Own Back w- had... Uh, a, a, a kind of a dildo carved out of bone and turnip stuck on the on the top of it, and it was like <laughs> that's what it looks like. It's very penisy, like a sort of a tulpa created by Dave Benson Phillips. <laughs> yeah, if you will. Okay, <laughs> I'm not saying DBPs like especially horny, but you know we've all got needs. Uh, okay, what, how what does it a nightmarish you? that is. That's a night. That is a nightmare. What you've described. <laughs> it does sound that way, doesn't it? Yeah. 
I think that's real, that one. What do you think, man? Yeah, I... The blobbiness, the, 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 it's the name sounds like something. I could see a, a, a third-person fighting game having a, a boss that's called Nightmare. Well, more importantly, the fact that the, the name is no relation to what it actually looks like. You'd expect it to be, I don't know, like a, a, a horse in the dark. But, uh... of course, it's just some random, like, lake of goo. Yeah, uh, that's real. So you're saying... I'm saying nice. 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 It is. Yes. <laughs> we were nice. <laughs> it's from uh it's from the first, very first Devil May Cry. It's um it's it's a bioweapon technically, so it's not actually a, a demon, but it's it's got demon bits stuck in it. Um all right, on to the next one. Uh Furialepus. So, Fury Lapis is um, it's it's part of a sort of um, subplot where um, the to do a demonic possession. There was a thing where they were like they um, they infiltrated a science facility that did lots of testing on animals uh, and uh, possessed um, or or kind of. Um, yeah, I'm going to say possessed. That's the 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 best word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the kind of corpses of post um, experimented upon um, rabbits. So it's this sort of um, that's quite heavy, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a, a kind of corpse mass of um, uh, that looks vaguely rabbity, made up of um, the kind of musculature of loads of dead rabbits. It's very creepy and it makes it's, it's there, there's a bit of fur, but it's mostly kind of sticky. Oh, um, what does it, uh, eat? does it eat? Is it still lust for carrots? That is not gone into it's, it's not like right. a main, it's not a main level. I don't know much about the, the life outside of work of Fury Lepers. Um, right. That sounds like it's either too dark for Devil May Cry or Devil May Cry. Devil, devil may cry, or I fundamentally misunderstood the tone of the Devil May Cry series. I don't know. The Devil May Cry series is pretty. It sort of goes all over the place. Like it's quite demony, but there is also like mad stuff that people do on Earth. I think. Mm. I just. Well, if it, I mean, I, the 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 reason they infiltrate the demons infiltrate the science facility is because they had a sort of wacky caper esque idea of like because rabbits are so ubiquitous and breed so quickly and what have you, you could use that as a a means to sort of gain greater access to the population and what have you. Well, the only character I know from the Devil May Cry series is Big Chungus, who is a rabbit. <laughs> but- does that mean there's likely to be two rabbit characters <laughs> using that logic? Mm, are they connected at all, Alice? Uh, you fight them, is it like those, those? What's that boss in Dark Souls where you fight two of them at the same time? Is it like that? Is it the rabbit and Big Chungus? No, no, but it's not. I, I believe Fury Lepus came after the Big Chungus. So it, it was like one of those things where the designers were like, yeah, we wanted to sort of make a fun reference. Oh, right. I don't know. I 
I've just got this image of him fighting this giant rabbit and it doesn't look cool in my head and that game's quite a lot about cool looking things. But it's not, it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of, I'm overselling the rabbitiness of it, but oh, it's uh, not like, it's not like it hops about or oh, okay. and like big ears. Like. Yeah, it's, it's not real because it's too cool. Like, it's a good idea, and I've decided completely unfairly that Devil May Cry series is rubbish, so it can't be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about it. I think, I think this one's ooh la la. Ooh la la. Yes. Oh, yes. The name was what gave it away. It was a good name. It made sense because it's like a furious It's rabbit. based on It's based on names from, there's, there's an enemy that's called, like, Furiatorus, like uh, it's, a, it's a weird mix of like some of the enemies are called like death oh scissors, God. and then some you're, of them are you're called, splicing like, truth into lies. Yeah, dangerous uh, game. All right, how about um, Nephistorus then? What? What's that? Nephistorus sounds like a made-up demon name. It's a stu- it's a it's a skyscraper. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. <laughs> Not where I was expecting this one to go. (laughs) It's a a demon that possesses basically a tower block. um, And it like... What's that horror film where like you see faces coming out of like the telly? It like pushes the screen Oh, Poltergeist. Yeah, it sort of... It does that. You're you're walking along a street and then like suddenly that happens, but like to an entire building. What, Um, just like faces come out the windows and start... No, one big face like pushes out. Of the texture of the the um, the skyscraper, and then the the actual boss fight is with basically like a weird um, torso extruding out of the the building, and it's sort of got like slightly spidery legs. It doesn't look very metal. It's got like sort of slightly spidery looking arms that are sort of meant to look a bit like I think like the 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 metal kind of. Structure, inter- internal structure. Why has um, this building made such bad choices? It's just a demon that has decided to possess a, a tower block. I think um, its name means like tower of bad. Uh, What's it called again? Ne- Nephesterus. Nephesterus. Yeah, maybe. Well, this mm. one is. See, I can imagine how that would look in a Devil May Cry game. It's a bit like it's a bit rubbish because it like it's just sort of poking. I mean, it's probably quite frightening if it was real, I suppose. But like, it pokes out of the building and then it just fires like a big, easily avoided laser out of its mouth. I think it's real. I think it's fake. Oh, so we've got a nice and a new lala. Give me your reasoning, Matthew. Uh, I, I, just, I just can't visualise him fighting this giant builder. I, this building with let I don't know, there's just too much going on. What's the camera perspective like? Tell us that. It's not, the building doesn't move. The, the, Why has it got the legs building then? Is, the building is stationary and then the torso of this thing is poking out of the side of it and swinging about a bit. What, and you're below, looking up at it like? No, it's at ground level. Oh, so it's so not you... the size of the skyscraper, it's just like a bloke. 
No, no, it is. It's massive. It's like a skyscraper. Because a skyscraper with just a bloke sticking out at the bottom is not like. That's, <laughs> well, that's, that's quite weak. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. I don't know what to tell you. Don't take it out with me. Take it out with the. Listen, <laughs> the people work in the building. I don't know. Do a few of them get like sucked out with it? And... No, not that I remember. Oh, that'd be a but nightmare. He rented office space. Listen, oh. it's it's a it's a skyscraper, and there is a giant torso with a head and arms sticking out of the bottom of it. I think that's real. Yeah, that is real. I'm definitely that's a nice from me. That's a ooh la la from me. Uh, nice. Oh damn it! <sighs> All right. Um, how about? Uh, Bob Barbus. Oh la la! <laughs> so Bob Barbus is um, uh, a basically like Fox News man, right? Sorry, say, say his name again. Bob Barbus. <laughs> Bob Barbus. So he's a Fox News man, basically. Um, so like you're trying to free the demonic world's hold on um the the real world and bob bargus does like um right wing lie news television programs that loads of people watch so you have to go into the underworld and and kill him and um in the real world he's just this kind of kind of standard bloated shouty newsreader man um and then in in the in the demon world he's sort of like a a big face made of TV screens and and that. Oh, so he's a devil. Yeah, he is a devil. That's interesting. And his name's Bob. Bob mm. Burgess. Barbus, sorry. Bob's Burgers. Yeah. That sounds pretty realistic to me. Either that or you've just come up with a great character, Alice. You should you be, should yeah. Be you should be a villain designer if you're not. Well, yeah. I know that you're not. <laughs> you should be one. But if any developers are listening to this podcast, uh, please get in touch. Yeah. Also, if they want, if you're interested in my three bumpkins on top of each other under a coat, <laughs> I, I, I will also sell you that idea. I could come up with loads of variants on emotional gorilla. Bob, emotional, Bob. Um, emotional capuchin. Emotional <laughs> orangutan. The feelings bonobo. <laughs> Starts humping the camera. It's really anyway, Bob Bob Barbus. Bob's is burgers. Bob's burgers. Is he real? This is uh this is uh nice. You're saying real, Matthew? Yeah, nice. Yeah, I think it's nice as well. <laughs> nice. It is nice. Oh, it's nice. It's from DMC, the best Devil May Cry game. Uh, uh, and there are lots of it, DMC is ridiculous, and um, it's by Ninja Theory, and they should have done a second one. So screw everyone. Well, Devil May Cry Five does let you shoot off your own rocket arm and then ride it as a little surfboard. <laughs> true, true. Um, Can't compete with that. I'd, uh, I'll do one last one. Uh, these have been very challenging. Well done. I like them. Thank you. Um, uh, oh, okay. Here's a good one. Uh, Jeremy Bentham. What? 
Jeremy Bentham, uh, the father of modern utilitarianism. Um, <laughs> What's <laughs> Go ahead. I'm intrigued to see where this is going. So, well, okay. So Jeremy Bentham is obviously a real person or was a real person. Um, uh, it's a famous philosopher. But um, this is also from DMC, which is ridiculous. And it, you, it involves you. You go into like hell quite a lot and you flip between like the, the sort of upside down. Everything in hell is upside down as well. I keep forgetting that. It's really good. Um, but um, Jeremy Bentham obviously... Um, his utilitarianism was based on like, you know, it basically like the needs of the the many outweigh the needs of the few. Um, and in this scenario, he is, um, he went to hell, um, but has been sort of, um, uh, manipulated to, to, to believe that like, well, actually if hell takes over the world, that will actually result in more people being happy because they will be like, um, uh, uh, you know, what's the word? Sedated and just kind of like the Matrix almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, like, well, then the greatest number of people will be happy, and that then makes it right. Um, uh, as a boss, it's not like you fight Jeremy Bentham, a, a Beatty fellow with like shoulder length white hair. You, you, he's like he, he's like there is like a demonic possessed kind of um, entity that it's, it's actually like quite boring design. It's just, it's like a, a kind of big winged demon, but um, it's, it, it was. There's a big winged demon called Jeremy Bentham. <laughs> <laughs> like and it appears and he freezes on screen and the words Jeremy Bentham appear. <laughs> The father of modern utilitarianism. And that's what it says underneath. The father of modern utilitarianism, dot, 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 and kicking ass. (laughs) He doesn't doesn't just, like, turn... That's not the first time you meet him. Like, you you run into him in in hell and, like, he starts off... I'm sorry, Alice. The idea that a major modern video game has repeat meetings with Jeremy Bentham. You think he's going to help you? You think he's going to be, like, an ally (laughs) in hell? And then it's, like, a sub-boss fight before you get to I think maybe maybe in a Kojima game but I I think what's happened here is you were having a think about Jeremy Bentham (laughs) and you thought I wonder how you could make him a villain in a video game no no it's good like it was it's good because like during the fight he yells like the question is not can they reason nor can they talk (laughs) absolutely not (laughs) Icarus you have flown too close to the sun He's like, you cut off his head and the last thing he says is stretching his hand up to reach the stars. Too often man forgets the flowers at his feet. No, no. Well, then loads of students kick around the head as it's preserved in a university lobby, I suppose, is it? Yeah, yeah. I've just got this image now of like, (laughs) you know, when you interview Japanese game developers and they're obviously speaking Japanese, but then they occasionally say something you do understand in English, like Jeremy Bentham and you're like, what that's about? (laughs) I could see that in an interview, but I cannot see that in the game. Yeah, I know. I think this is uh, this is oolala.com. Yeah. <laughs> oolala. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you were doing so well. <laughs> Honest, don't don't criticise yourself. That was, I mean, that was a weapons grade idea. <laughs> I'd love that. Jeremy Bentham. 
just it teenagers the in their bedrooms being like, huh? <laughs> whole series of Jeremy's. It's like, Jeremy may cry. You have to deal with Bentham, then Clarkson and Corbin. And it's, it's like the three Jeremy's. The Jeremy and Tre- Ron. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Capcom, get in touch. That's the music that plays as Jeremy Bentham's thinking about like inventing the panopticon. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't Bentham. That was um who was that? Panopticism is is I want to say Foucault. Oh, fair. Yeah, it was. Or it wasn't Bentham, you're right. Never mind. I had to for some reason my first year of my degree involved a lot of really boring like language theory. <laughs> Foucault can off whoa whoa um so we uh we don't have a big question for the readers this week because uh i don't have access to the twitter anymore so i can't do it um Mm, it's such a bodgy podcast it's great (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but uh we do have time to do oh well first of all has anyone read their five nights at freddy's book this week uh not this week no okay Uh, next week i promise next week next week uh will be the five nights of freddy's book club um but if you do want to write in with suggestions questions uh or general praise then you can email us at podcast at rock paper shotgun i love praise Mm. yeah especially matthew loves praise um it's delicious but we do have time to do some recommendations maybe we should do a sting for recommendations as well We'll figure something out. Um, so, Nate, which of your many books are you going to be recommending this week? Uh, what, am I actually allowed to? Yeah. Sick. Uh, I'm going to recommend um, uh, a story called Emperor, uh, which is a 40k short um, that just got released as a little ebook, as cheap as chips. Um yeah, if you don't know, I write for Black Library, who publish Warhammer 40k things, and I like to write really weird stories uh, that aren't what you'd expect. Uh, this one is about uh, a load of Bronze Age people who've been tricked into devoting their entire culture to repairing a starship over the course of thousands of years. And it's, uh, it's all about cargo cults and colonialism and uh yeah uh i've had some lovely feedback on it and it's it's nice quick read if you are vaguely interested in that setting uh, but aren't too interested in just stories about space marines garnishing people maybe give it a try there you go excellent thank you very much uh matthew what are you recommending this week uh so i'm gonna recommend a book that i read quite a long time ago but it's currently on my mind again which is, I don't think I've done this on the podcast, which is The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle uh, by, oh. by Stuart Turton. I raised this because he's got a, uh, his next book's out in October, I think, which is called The Devil and the Dark Water. I'm incredibly excited about it. Um, but Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle is quite video gamey, sort of murder mystery. It's a big country manor, uh, and uh, the main character is stuck in a sort of Groundhog Day repeating time loop 
or leading up to the murder of of uh, this character Evelyn Hardcastle. But every day he's in the he wakes in the body of a different uh, guest at the at the party. Ooh. Um, and it's way more complicated than that, but that's the, that's the, that's the rough pitch. But it's very video gamey because they're almost like avatars, as in the body he's in, he kind of develops sort of personality traits based on them. So if he's in a like if he's in a smart person's body, he can actually like deduce more about the crime that day because he's oh, a smarter person. Fun. And there's there's well there's one day he's in this there's this absolutely sort of obese character and he literally can't get to the places he needs to get to in time because the the body's kind of incapable of getting there and things like that. But it's it's absolutely brilliant. I've bought I've bought it for about ten people as birthday presents. Um and I've yet yet to hear a person complain about it. So yeah, if you're an American, I believe it's called The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. Weirdly. Weird. Yeah, I think it was the well, name was, was there already a seven deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. I think there was I think there was a seven deaths of someone and it was deemed too similar. I think that's how it works. Ooh. Yeah. That uh, very good. But yes, check that out and yeah, the new one I'm really excited for. It's on a boat. Sound you know. We keep jo- I, I've chat to the guy on Twitter occasionally because he's really into video games. And um, ah. I was sort of saying it was funny because this came out quite similar time to the Sexy Brutale, which had a sort of similar vibe. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. that and then I was game. like, this new one sounds like Obra Dinn because it's a murder mystery on a boat and, you know, so on and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Um, I um, First of all, I'm going to recommend steroids because I'm – been put on a big dose of them for my Crohn's disease. And I feel fantastic. Um, yeah. That's uh, the noise of your blood. Yeah. It's just amazing. I've, like I've said, I'm, like long term, they might make your teeth fall out, but short term, they are fantastic and everyone should take them. I'm going to recommend, over the noise of this construction happening outside my window, um, I'm going to recommend uh, the Etymologicon, which I think is something I might have... Um, recommended before as well uh which is a book about it's a circular stroll through uh the english language and uh, our origins of words and um where they come from like um how uh avocado and uh orchid are both derived from uh different languages words for testicles um because an avocado looks like a ball bag and an orchid's roots look like a testicle as well apparently or um when we say uh to pool money that is uh not talking about pool as in a pool of water it's because people used to play a game called uh pool or poule which was involved gambling about a chicken and they put all their money for that in a pot that was the pool Mm. so pooling money comes from the word for the French word for chicken and not the English word for a big thing of water stuff like that wow. it's very interesting uh, it's the etymological by Mark Forsyth um, and he's done another one that is similar but it is based on the things you do during a day so waking up having breakfast all that kind of stuff that is the horrorological I think um, so there you go there lovely you go. and just as I finish that the sore outside stopped <laughs> You, you powered stuff. through it bravely. Thanks. And I'm um, glad you're feeling better as well, which I've told you in person, but I just want to wish you well on air. I, Thank I, you. I too would like to wish you well. 
All right. Well, yours doesn't count. What? Because you, you said it second. So well, I still copying. mean. All right. Take it back. I curse you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, lovely stuff. Well, thank you very much for listening to. It's quite a long episode this week. Goodness. Uh, for this episode 103 of uh the uh electronic wireless show rock paper shotguns pc gaming podcast and the only podcast you need in my opinion which is the only opinion that counts um please check out uh vidbud matthew's excellent work on the youtube channel youtube.com forward slash rock paper shot gun yeah no rock paper shot yeah Yeah. sorry every week i'll get it right once week that's okay week um uh follow us on twitter uh which is twitter.com forward slash rock paper shot uh and uh we're on facebook as well and uh we have a lovely merch store teespring.com forward slash store forward slash rock paper shotgun where you can get some lovely t-shirts and i believe we'll be adding uh some new things soon as well don't don't forget to uh let's rock paper shotgun branded mint sauce it's going to be incredible for your lamb lunch oh my god i'd love that um please uh if you if you like this uh this podcast then rate us and review us on your platform of choice tell your friends use the hashtag fat blood and hashtag big oats because um, imagine if we do that enough then we'll be allowed to put that on a t-shirt and wouldn't that be amazing and Aww. uh don't forget to write in as well and of course for all your pc game needs go to rockpapershotgun.com and there you go. That's it. Thank you very much. All that remains now is for us to say goodbye. Goodbye, Matthew. Goodbye. Goodbye, the Halo Gorilla. Die well. And goodbye to you, reader or listener. Goodbye. Goodbye.